0: This is awesome. I love that I just randomly hopped in this chair <laughs> and started chatting with you guys. You guys are super cool.
1: Welcome to Green Book Conversations. I'm Dylan Gibson. There's a lot of conversations I have to get to, both edited in this episode and more to come, so I'm just going to jump right into things. If you haven't seen the first episode yet, look us up or go to directorsource.com, where you can find all our episodes and updates. What do you guys got going? So we're just doing a podcast on sustainability so okay. we've been talking to brands
0: my name is ryan montez my friends chris lee and zach are here with me today and we're looking to launch a sustainable outerwear functional technically designed company that bridges the gap between surf culture and golf culture so it's really awesome um, i was living on the island of oahu for the past couple of years and Island fever is a real thing, so (laughs) don't get too crazy about it. No, I'm just kidding. But the idea kind of like sparked for my mind in that sense when I was living on the island and integrating myself and the surf culture since I was a little kid. And seeing that within fashion, there's not a lot of people doing what you guys are doing in a very like wholeheartedly way, you know, like their core values are to what they really say and what they do. I do technical clothing design in the fashion industry. Right now we focus mainly on uh, music industry. So like bigger music festivals and things like that. We produce for them and all of our things are cut and sewn in Peru. Um, We have a very good system there, but starting my own brand, I don't want to dip my toes into things that other people are doing that aren't going to be progressing us as a human race in a positive direction. So I really want to be able to like set the tone in the industry and That's definitely something that I want to like find partners with and meet new people that have those same goals And those same ambitions because I don't think I think it's kind of like an undertone It's kind of something that everyone thinks about but if it's not like It's almost like if you see a piece of trash on the side of the road It's inconvenient for you to go pick it up, but they're only gonna really do it if it's convenient for them And so I don't want to have that mindset I would like to reevaluate the way people see and think about buying clothing or just in any sort of sense, you know, being a little bit more conscious about anything that they're doing in this world. So I don't know. What do you guys have going on, I guess, that could help me or people like me or?
2: I like your approach. I've been in this business for 33 years now. I spent the first 15 being part of the problem in the industry, and I spent the rest of it trying to be part of the solution. And when we built Direct to Source, we did exactly what you were saying. We're like, let's turn everything on its head. Let's not do it this way because that's the way we do it in this business. Mm-hmm. Let's ask why, and let's figure out is there a way we can do this better? Mm-hmm. And really trying to look at everything holistically. It doesn't mean we're perfect, and there's no perfect answer here, and we all exist to make and sell products, so there's a certain something against sustainability there right but if we're gonna be in this business and we're gonna be brands shouldn't we make better choices should we make more ethical choices should we be transparent this brand this this business is very opaque so much of it right like you don't really know what's happening behind the scenes and I think once we open it up then we can start to have conversations like we're doing today and we can start to change things Right. You know, I always get surprised to talk to consumers and so many of them think we have these big machines and you shove fabric in one end and out pops clothes. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Everything you have is hand sewn. Now we sew it on a machine, but there's a human being sewing that on the machine. And there is no automatic clothing manufacturing anywhere. Right? And so, you know, looking, you know, pulling back the veil, if you will, and looking at all of those different things. And then you can start to make choices that are in concert with your brand's ethos. I think that's really important and you get to be true to yourself and transparent and truthful right. all along the way and I think it's a cool conversation.
0: It is a really cool conversation. I think things that I really want to do is I really want to create alternative website. To like events or alternative ways that people can experience your brand that also give back to you know the core values of what your brand stand for. Um, One would be like having, you know, like local beach community cleanups or park cleanups or recycling of clothing. And I don't know very many businesses or companies out there that if I have, say, a ton of plastics or materials that we end up finding over the course of like, say, like a quarter. Mm -hmm. And what do I do with that? Am I able to like put that back into... My brand, am I able to utilize that as for my packaging or utilize that for my inks or am I able to utilize that for drawstrings or little like little things that people don't even care about really? They're kind of like little nuances on your clothing that may have a bigger impact than you don't really understand. And I think that's kind of where my head is at is like the intrinsic details of what goes into the clothing and the process of making clothing, but also how people interact with your brand so that they just have a deeper understanding you know, of where things are coming from and they'll also have an impact of, you know, hey, I actually did that and I actually was a part of making a, a bit of a change in something that I'm consistently going to be doing for the rest of my life, which is buying clothing or right. supporting fashion industry. And so, yeah, I'm just curious, what are things that your brand does to help, I guess, like people like me?
2: Our goal is to make it more accessible. You know, we really think if more brands can join the sustainability journey, that we make our industry better and we make our world better. And this business can be difficult, right? There's a lot, like we talked, I talked earlier about it being opaque. You know, it can be difficult to find things. And a lot of times it's difficult, you don't even know what questions to ask. And when you're talking to a factory and you say, I want this and this and this, sometimes you don't know, well, if we just made this one little change, all of a sudden it's easier to produce or your quality will be higher or your cost will be lower. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is really, Helping brands whether it's a new brand or whether it's an existing brand to make really good decisions Mm -hmm. To provide you information so you can make the best choice because sustainability to you might mean it should be recycled I want to go pick up this bottle and do something positive with it rather than throwing it out Mm -hmm. to some brands They don't want to play with plastic at all like that's a no-no for them And that's okay both answers are okay depending on your brand ethos because it's all about doing better not about being perfect, Mm -hmm. right? And so some brands were like, no, no, it has to all be natural, has to be compostable. That's a cool goal, too. And so, you know, what your choices look like are very different depending on which direction you're heading. Maybe you're definitely just heading down the path where right now we're going to work on making sure everything is done ethically, Mm -hmm. right? That's part of sustainability as well, is the ethics of the people who are actually making the fabrics, making the clothing, being able to support their families and, you know, live a life where they can plan for their future just like you or I would, right? Right. And so that's all part of the story and all part of the conversation. Some brands choose to tackle a lot of it. Some brands choose to tackle a little bit at a time. Start with the low-hanging fruit, I always say, right? Because there's a lot of easy choices you can make Mm -hmm. that aren't even difficult. Mm -hmm. And you can get to the harder choices as it goes along. And particularly if you're a brand starting out, right? That's a really big question, like how much can you do? Because so often, You're just trying to get launched. You're just trying to find somebody who'll make your vision with quality and with the smaller quantities that you need. Because you know what, if you're starting off, you shouldn't be making thousands and thousands and thousands because you don't know if you can sell it yet.
0: Exactly, and then you don't want to be sitting on a bunch of product that goes stale anyways. Exactly. And so do you put me in positions to work with those businesses or do you have connections with them or are are you them? Are you that?
2: We manufacture in Guatemala. Okay. My partner's there. She's in the factory every day. It's our factory. Okay. And we've done a couple things to help brands become more sustainable. So we have a green label collection, which okay. is in stock 50 pieces of a style. Okay. It's made from sustainable and recycled fibers. Okay. And we can put your custom labels in it and put your custom decoration on it. Okay. It's kind of a low hanging fruit way to start down sustainability right. if you don't have the quantities. Right. But when we talk about fully custom garments, which is 95% of what we do. Right. Our minimums start at 300 pieces of a style. Okay. still pretty low. Yeah. It's assuming we can find the fabrics in that small a quantity, but we've got lots of great relationships and have access to a lot of great sustainable fabrics in smaller quantities. And we can do all of your sizes and up to two colors in that quantity.
0: I like that because a lot of the things that we also wanna do is we wanna host uh, really unique, uh, exclusive kind of events. And I'm not gonna be needing to make, you know, 500 to 1,000, you know, SKUs of that one T-shirt with one design, stitch, print, or whatever I want to do with that. And so having, I guess, much more of a variety of things to choose from, especially if you guys already have your own, like, staples, too, like your own cuts and things like that, that, where I don't even have to give you a style number for my own things. Right. And so, but you guys do cut and sew.
2: We do. And it can be a great way to start. You know, like, lots of people love a great T-shirt, right? Right. And so we have in-stock teas, so made from a blend of Better Cotton and this, a recycled plastic bottle.
0: What is Better Cotton?
2: Better Cotton is a, It's the company is called BCI, it's the Better Cotton Initiative. And they're a global nonprofit that works with farmers about more sustainable farming practices, about ethical treatment of the workers doing the picking and the early processing of the cotton. Mm-hmm. And it's a way, it was sort of, it came about in a bunch of ways, but it sort of came about as a, an easier answer than organic, right? Everybody says, oh, let's do organic. Well, organic is great, nothing wrong with organic, but organic is really expensive. There's always sort of a short supply. And yes, they're not using pesticides, and that's great, but they don't work with anybody on the ethical portion, right?
0: Question mm-hmm. Is organic the same as what would be in like the food industry? Because I know in like the food industry, when it's FDA, quote unquote, organic, they can still. They still have to use up to a certain amount of pesticide.
2: Yeah, is, it is that
0: the same? It is the thing? same because they're still technically using the pesticide. So, I guess do people are are people still like worried about that? Are those things that like harm our bodies? Is that getting like? Is that more polluting, like, the planet and the Earth? So
2: the organic, and, and I don't know the levels off the top of my head on yeah. it, right? But there's some things that are totally banned that they can't use, right? They're, it's really regulated what they can and cannot use in organic. Yeah. And so it is the same for cotton as it would be a food product, or very similar. So, but, you know, cotton still uses a lot of water, for sure. Right. So there's other issues. There's pros and cons to everything, right? right. There's no simple, perfect answer. Right. So you kind of have to look and say, well, we want the qualities of cotton, right? It's breathable. It's soft. It lasts really well. It makes a great product, and that's why so many products that we wear are made of cotton. It's a really great fiber. It has some other things that are not so great. Right? Recycle plastics, it's recycled polyester, mm-hmm. right? You get strength, you get longevity, you blend it with cotton, and now all of a sudden you've got a really great, high quality, breathable shirt.
0: Do you guys make, uh, you said organic polyester, or what did you say? I, I so
2: we typically use recycled polyester. Recycled polyester. Mm-hmm.
0: That is something that I definitely want to show get you into. Them. Oh yeah, this is super nice.
2: Right, so even though it's a plastic bottle, it has to feel really soft. So that's 60% BCI cotton. Wow. 40% recycled polyester, Okay, right?
0: From trash to tea, <laughs> made in Guatemala. That's cool. I really like that. So for someone like me, mm-hmm. I am launching a company this year. Uh, we are very excited about it. And we're here establishing a bit of a footprint and making relationships with people just like you. What are some, I guess, tips or some, I guess, feedback that you could give to me that would help me on my journey?
2: Ask a lot of questions.
0: Okay. Well, it looks like I'm going in the right direction (laughs) then because I have loads of them. You can't tell.
2: Um, You know, this business is very much about relationships. Mm -hmm. I've been working in the business for years and I'm still really great friends with relationships I started 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a global industry, it's small Mm -hmm. and so making really good relationships Mm -hmm. is is really key you want suppliers that you can talk to easily that you can communicate with easily Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you're speaking the same language Language, right but but that are good communicators and are going to be tell you because problems arise in this business we spend at least 20 to 25 percent of our time fighting fires in the production right because there's so many details that go into making any garment even a simple t-shirt Things are going to go wrong eventually. It's not a question of if; it's a question of when. Right. And so, you really want suppliers that can, you can communicate with really well mm-hmm. to solve any issues that arise. Right. And today, right, like we're talking shipping issues, mm-hmm. right? This globally is a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And when those hiccups arise, you want a shipping partner that you can rely on. You want a factory that you can rely on. And again, people who will communicate with you. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that is key. I think that's always been key. Right. Um, and so, find people you want to spend time talking to because you're yeah. going to talk to them a lot as you're producing.
0: I totally agree. Um, it's definitely something that we're slightly struggling with. So my friends and I, we also have the Creative Collective where we help um, businesses and brands launch and produce merchandise and clothing for them. So I do all of like the tech- technical design, creating oh, cool. the tech packs, sending that to factories, style numbers, SKUs, Pantone colors, stitching, okay. everything. And... That's something that we've been having a, trou- or a trouble trouble with in general is just communication with factories and um, just just talking, just having conversation, feeling comfortable about having conversation, somebody to help with like, our logistics and things like that. So yeah, I guess like having much more transparency in that, that side of the business is definitely something that would alleviate a lot of headache. Yeah. And a lot of time because, especially if you're like the middleman between your client and the factory and they need that sample, or maybe they need it a little bit quicker than they, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's definitely something that you want to make sure that is getting done within like the first and second, you know, go around instead of two, three, four, five.
2: Right, right. And it's so, I think it's so important to get it done more quickly because I'll tell you. Factories hate to make samples. <laughs> yeah. We do it because we know it's necessary. But it's so expensive for factories to make samples. It's in our best interest to do it in a round or two. And it's in your best interest, too, and especially if you're the middleman for your clients to get it done more quickly. Right. But it takes, right, you know, since you're doing this, it really takes that communication, that relationship to make sure we're understanding each other mm-hmm. exactly so we can achieve what you want and asking questions and having a conversation. And that's not really something that happens a lot mm-hmm. with overseas factories right if you and you've seen it if you're sending tech packs like they don't understand something so they'll just make a decision
0: oh yeah all the time
2: and it's never the right one
0: it's never the right one and then okay. I'm always then we have to go back to the client explain to them why it's not the right one and then having to get another revision yeah with another sample made and then all of that is obviously overseas so that has to get mailed and that takes a couple days maybe if you don't expedite it four to five right and so yeah I think this is awesome I love that I just randomly hopped in this chair <laughs> and started <laughs> chatting with you guys. You guys are super cool. I'm Ryan, by the way. Ryan, hi, I'm Holly. Holly, nice to meet you. Dylan. Dylan, nice to meet you. Yeah, we, um, we have roots in Florida, so close to Guatemala. Awesome. As well as California. And that's kind of like where we, we will be working from to help the brand get off its feet. It's called Fairwave. So the play between, I you like know, it. Fairway, the like rolling <laughs> Fairway and Wave. But the, the word fair plays an integral part in the message that we want to bring to people because surfing and golfing are individual sports and everyone's an individual. Everyone has you know, this individualistic self-expression that they want to get out. And within the surf culture, there's an immense amount of that. Whether you're on the wave and you have style, energy, grace, um, power, whatever it is, you're reflecting the way that you feel out into mother nature and when you get out of the water you can continue to do that with the clothing that you're wearing and you know the way that you want to wear things and be your own person and i have family and friends and people that are professional golfers and this isn't just about bridging the gap between surf and golf this is just where we want to start and i think it's a good place to do so because golf is a a very very expensive expensive sport where not a lot of people have a fair opportunity to get to do those types of things. It's the same thing with surfing. Surfing is an extremely expensive sport and both of those sports have a huge impact in clothing, um, whether or not they want to be sustainable. I mean, we're dealing with people in the ocean, epoxy, fiberglass, fins, leashes, rubber material. And so I think I want to be able to make an impact into not just those two industries but into just the world and to people overall. Yeah, I think this was a great conversation. (laughs) I'm really excited. I'm really, really (laughs) thankful that I got to meet you guys. We appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Um, Where's your card? Because I'm gonna need it. Right there. Cool.
1: The next pair we talked to weren't involved with the sustainability field, but we had an interesting discussion regardless. I think if everyone approached conversations like the people we talked to at the trade show, we would all be in a much better place. Well, I heard you guys are out from Jersey so if you could introduce yourselves and then just talk about what your brand is
3: yeah my name's maureen keo and the brand is too fast which um like running too fast (laughs) Oh, (laughs) um t-o-o and uh yeah we've been around since like 2004 2005. i've been out to magic multiple times, mm-hmm. many, many times, but not for about uh, five or six years. And I guess I'm just, you know, we're like a young, alternative, uh, Hot Topic type-esque, yeah. you know, does Kill, I don't know if you know who they are, but I am currently sourcing, like I was basically just walking through to see what I could find, but I'm always kind of looking for, um, I would love to find like more made in the U.S. even because most of our stuff is produced overseas. The price has got to be right or, you know, everything's got to be, unfortunately, it's got to be as low cost as you could possibly get for my customer. Just because it's a young, I have a young crowd. You know what I mean? So they don't have a ton of money and
1: this is my mother, Holly. (laughs) Hi.
3: How are you? How are
4: you?
3: I was like asking, I was like, I don't even really know what um, sustainable apparel technically means, but I've been doing this for like a long time. And I know I like see people talking about it, but what does that really mean?
2: You know, it means something different to different brands. Okay. Right? There's there's no one gold standard, I would say. Um, We've got a customer who to them, it means that it's compostable. So when the garment reaches the end of its life cycle, Mm -hmm. it can be easily compostable back into the earth. I've got some customers who say, you know, recycle plastic, we're keeping the plastics out of our waterways, out of our oceans, and so let's turn it into something better, let's turn it into apparel. I've got customers who say, you know, we can't afford, because those things are a little more expensive, right, we can't afford that. But let's make sure it's made ethically so that people are actually sewing the clothes and okay. can feed their families. Right. And all of those are really good answers, right? Yes. It's I mean, we are in the apparel industry. We exist to sell product. Right. Yeah, so at absolutely. a certain level that's not really sustainable because does the world really need more clothes? We all think we do. We all want more. It's a huge we business. Know the, we but Let's, know. let's right. just be real, right? Yeah. Because we exist to sell product. In my opinion, and, and I've been doing this sustainability sector for 15 years now in the business, it's just about making the best choices for your company and for your brand that lead us on a path to doing better.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's. I mean, I'm always kind of like... It's a it's an effort you know what i mean but even like i said like trying to just find more made in the u.s
2: but that it's really really hard it's really hard well and if you think about and that's that's why we make in guatemala right because yeah we are all price conscious i don't care what price point your brand is You've got a ceiling there that you can charge, right? Your customer, that your customer just simply can't afford today, right? Right, they're only going to pay so much, Exactly. And so to make it in the U.S., right, we've got a very high minimum wage here. It takes eight minutes to make a T-shirt or six minutes to make a T-shirt, depending on how you make it. It takes that that long to make it anywhere in the world. If you're making a lot of them, yeah. (laughs) Um, But But so the question then is how many dollars (laughs) per hour does somebody make? Yeah. Right? And so in the U.S., that's a very, very high. I don't wage. know what
3: the minimum uh, I'm assuming that most of the factories are gonna be in the California. Yeah, area, and they're right? well, what's their minimum
2: wage? I think it's up to seventeen, 17. now. I know we lot we inherited 17. in Denver, we got a yeah. bunch of factories that actually moved to Denver after California raised really? its minimum wage. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So in Guatemala, right, much lower cost of living. So we right. can pay quite well. Many of our people are above minimum wage. And it still takes that many minutes to make a t-shirt, but because it costs less, we can pay well and the t-shirt costs less. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So it's it's an interesting conversation from that perspective. Yeah.
3: It is very interesting, really. I mean... Like you were saying, the workers are treated
2: Yeah, so everybody's a full time employee. Yeah. We don't do the hire and fire cycle that so many factories do. Right. They're getting paid what they're getting paid, whether they're sewing or sitting around playing gin rummies, so obviously we wanna stay sewing. We want them sewing, (laughs) right. Yep, that's Um, fair. You know, we work, we're a little different. We work five days a week. We work like we do here in the U.S., right? We work five days a week. We work about 40 hours a week. Okay. We don't do the six day and seven day a week. Right. We don't work multiple shifts. We don't work tons of overtime. You know, you get these questions from all these people wanting to say, well, can you pass the factory inspection? So how many of your people have worked more than 30 days in a row without a break? Like, none. Right. How many of your people worked 60 plus hours last week? None. Right how Um, how do you right except for me (laughs) except for me i was
3: gonna say yeah this employee uh if you want to consider uh yeah the owner the employee yeah yeah. the owners always work that's a different story that's your prerogative right yeah yeah we we choose that punishment though right exactly i guess you want to work for
0: yourself right you gotta pay the price i feel
3: like i just work 24 7
2: (laughs) you know what i mean i do where are you guys getting Um, your shirts and stuff from now Oh uh, well,
0: all over honestly. Yeah, yeah. We do have
2: a place in in
3: California.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, thank God, which is yeah, great. We get sweatpants, hoodies, t-shirts. Specific country has the like US. baby baby mm-hmm. t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Float, like bigger ones, we have Bella Canvas. Uh, we order from, and then oh. other things are you know sourced China. Yeah, places like that.
3: Accessories, uh, housewares. Wow, things like that are tough to. Um, I mean a lot tougher than even just finding like, a t-shirt, yeah, you so know what is. I mean, or anything like that in the U.S. We do like fashion jewelry, like. You do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much whatever you think of. I, I, <laughs> I've made it. Right? yeah, we've done it all. Wow. But, um like that stuff is almost, it's just any kind of accessories or housewares are really, really tough to find here. So I do try to get, you know, blanks.
2: I keep telling people, you know, be that cheapest by making a bunch of the right decisions, right. Right? Yep. but yep. you can make good decisions mm-hmm. and you can still do it at a good price where you know, people who are sewing it are making enough to take care of their families, obviously we as a company need to be able to make some money, the people who are making the fabric have to be able to make some money, you have to be able to make some money. And so when you do it right, it's not easy, but every you can right. still do it at a good price, everybody mm-hmm. can right. still earn a little bit of a living at it, and you have great product out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not impossible to do. It's just. You have to charge more though, you just have to. You have to charge a little more, but you can still do it, you know, for a reasonable price. And again, if we're talking about making it ethically, but we're not Mm -hmm. talking about sustainable fabrics now, the price is going to come down a little too. And sometimes pennies matter. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example, we had a customer who, was using regular cotton, and they really wanted to become more sustainable. And so they said, "We really want to switch to organic cotton," and they just couldn't do it, mm-hmm. right? Like it was so much more expensive. It mm-hmm. was gonna not. It was either gonna destroy their yeah. profitability, right. or they're gonna have to raise their prices. And they didn't feel like they could raise their prices. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't
1: right.
3: feel like we really have much room to right. mess around. I think when it comes already the for prices already.
0: Forty-eight dollars a hoodie, something like that, which it's is
3: empty. dirt cheap is. for a finished. Pudding. yeah,
2: that's, yeah,
3: but we're that's
2: getting
3: wild. them for under
2: eight. Wow, yeah. But it's you know, hard. you it's you horrible, have to know your customer base, right? So that customer just, said, yeah. "Oh, well, we can switch to BCI cotton. It's only going to cost us fifteen cents more a garment." Now we're doing something better, and we don't we can absorb fifteen cents a garment. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got a different cost structure in their business, right. right? So you have to kind of look at what are our options. What does that impact our costs? Where do we yeah. felt feel lead to? feel led to go and that answer is slightly different for every company and that's okay
3: well look it's good for me just to be aware and to think about it as opposed to just kind
5: of
2: and, and you know what? You may find that you're <laughs> developing, a lot of young people in particular are very in tune to sustainability, and you may find that you have some small complement of I them would who would want to do it. Like that. you can introduce it. Yeah. Right. I and it's not to. trying to supplant everything else you're doing.
1: Next, we talk to Quattro Gymnastics, but you'll hear us talk about that later. Our conversation actually started talking about nature reclamation during COVID-19 shutdowns and how much more aware of sustainability people are today than perhaps previous years.
4: And if you remember in the beginning of COVID, all of the animals over in Italy and over in Europe coming out of the mountains, coming into the streets, and then all the waters in like Venice clearing up. Right. I think that made everyone see, like, this is just something that God or nature is calling to our attention that we're being put in a timeout right now because we need to be aware of what we've been doing. And so, like, I think that maybe, just maybe, that not it's not just the kids, I think maybe the adults seeing that in the headlines, that maybe that that brought all of this to other people's attention, that
2: otherwise maybe not, would have not paid attention to that subject. I think that's true. I was shocked when I heard the Venice story. I was like, well, now I want to go to Venice. Yes.
4: (laughs) I think that maybe the older generation is maybe, you know, 10 years ago
2: or three years ago, it was just the younger generation. I don't think it is anymore. Okay. I remember, I hate to say this and especially on a recording, but it's true. When I was a little kid and we would drive across country or whatever, and you go through the drive through and you throw your trash out the window. That was actually a thing. I'm in my 50s, so I do remember that as a very small child. We would be mortified of that now, right? Right. And so in I grew up in Oklahoma, and so they had this great commercial trying to educate people about it. And they had the Indian standing there in yes. the planes and people drive by in the tear. Yes, right. you remember that commercial. I remember that commercial so vividly. Me you know, too. and now we would be mortified that, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. And so I think you know recycling's the same thing like we didn't have recycling when I was a kid it wasn't a thing you know now we're finally getting people to the point some people are already there and some people aren't there yet of like we wouldn't think about not recycling yes so it's all and things are just going faster and I think this is definitely a wake-up call like you were saying and I think for brands to decide what do we want to do and you know what For some brands, the right decision is, well, let's recycle the paper in our office, let's turn off the lights. Yes. That's okay, because that's part of sustainability as well, and that's making your company more sustainable. It's using less energy if you don't need it, but you still got to make great products for your customers, right? You exist to satisfy your customers, you would never want to change that. And so how do you incorporate this conversation into your company, and sometimes it's a very internal level, sometimes for some brands it's a very external level, and the right answer for anybody is
4: different. Well, when I worked at Benetton years ago, there was a girl that worked in marketing and she would go around and she would ask everybody to put their soda cans into her like little trash bag. And every Friday you would see her drag that bag out. She would take it home and put it in her own recycling bucket because at that time we didn't have like a designated place to put recycling and she used to do that.
2: And it takes, it takes people like that dragging the rest of us, kicking and screaming sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes it's easy to make some decisions. Yes. And I think that's kind of been my personal journey. It's like, oh, well, let's make a decision here. We have a choice to make, so let's make a better one. And sometimes you don't have a good choice. And that's okay. It yeah. is what it is. But we were talking about polyester earlier. Originally, recycled polyester was nasty. Right. You know, you never want to put it next to your skin. And today that's not true. We have really great quality. Right. And so you can be true to your brand, be true to yourself, be true to your customers, and yet when you're at a place where you get to make a new choice, wow. That's a new one. That's a new one. <laughs> when you get to the point where it's time to make a new choice about something, you can go, okay, well, can I make a better choice on this? And often the answer is yes. And that's, yeah. that's when I think you continually getting into this pattern of evolving in a better way, and it comes fairly easily. Pull the low-hanging fruit first. Don't try to change the world all at once because that's really hard.
5: Change it a little bit at a time every day. It is interesting how you spoke about you know ten years ago because we were excited about it. We wanted to be able to you know participate and immediately got excited about the story behind it. But the technology of catching up to what the product was like and to spend more money on an inferior product just didn't fit right so it's really exciting to see that you have brought this full circle Mm -hmm. and that it's elevated now and it's more affordable now and so more people can participate now and it's really important when you have products that are
2: going to go through heavy use your quality is critical and you cannot afford to have an inferior product because your customers wouldn't accept that. No, right. And so it's really cool,
5: I think, that technology is finally catching up. Right, and the, the hand is everything. You want everything to feel soft and comfortable and supple. And so we, we speak to our fabrics about being super soft because people want that comfort level. So to know that it's been elevated to the point where we can get that and it's not boardy and hard, you know, and it has nice stretch is a big deal. Absolutely. we're from quattro gymnastics we're the fastest growing brand out of europe for gymnastic apparel and we just launched this past year in in the united states in north america so we saw we had customers over here but we didn't put you know people over here it was just being serviced from across the ocean so yes. now we have a full staff here in this country and we're servicing north america and growing like crazy so people are products have really resonated with, you know, has a European flair and yet we have an American flair. We have it all because we have designers globally, we, you know, throughout Europe and also over here all over the United States from coast to coast, we have five or six designers in this country and then at least that many or more in Europe. So it's really exciting because truly every day is a global day for us, Yes, you know, it's true. Every, every day we wake up and are zooming across the world with all of our different offices, and um, yeah, from Paris to the UK, to the United States. To California, you know, from New Jersey to California yeah. because we, we have a freelancer or two out in California. And sales so, reps everywhere. Yes, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it really is.
1: So how are you guys looking at going sustainable? Are you guys going on like a sustainable fabric
4: route? Or?
5: We are very interested. About two weeks ago we yes. had a conversation about this very topic. So it's serendipitous that we're sitting in front of you today. Um, you know, it's just finding the right partner, finding the right price points, find, making it all work together because it can't just be a story. It has to also fit into all the elements that you're the requirements of your customer. So not just from a functional standpoint, but there's like a threshold for price points, etc. So we're very excited about seeing what we can do together and what your prices and what your um, fabrics are, are like so that they fit our niche. Awesome. Thank you guys for talking. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us.